podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Wednesday, December 22nd, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location and access things that you're geo-blocked from, while also keeping your data safe. Check out LibertyShield.com, use the code EPL599 and get 599 off your first month. So first month for one quid, no contract, no obligation, instant download to your device, libertyshield.com. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy, Use the code EPL10 on the EPL site and RED10 on the Anfield Index site to get 10% off at checkout. If the codes don't work, put the the purchase through, save your transaction number, tweet either the EPL or Anfield Index uh, website, uh, Twitter accounts, and ask for, can you DM them? DM them the code, they'll refund you the difference. Uh, Right, folks, on to today. There is nothing to talk about, really, other than the EFL Cup. This is what I'm reduced to on the Wednesday before Christmas, is rambling about the EFL Cup, a competition I really don't care about. But it is what we've got, so let's go. Uh, Last night, Arsenal beat Sunderland 5-1. Eddie Nketiah with a hat-trick. He scored on 79. Close-range finish. Nicolas Pepe finished off a good team move on 27. Enketia again on 49. Again on 58. And then Charlie Patino on 91 to complete the route. Nathan Broadhead had scored on 31. To give Sunderland some hope. To give them a little bit of a chance. It was 2-1 when he scored. And they were never really in it thereafter. Arsenal were... Pretty dominant. They played some lovely football, it must be said. The Gunners lined up with Leno and goal, Cedric at right back, Ben White and Rob Holding in the middle, and Nuno Tavares at left back, El Neni, Odegaard and Smith Rowe in midfield, and then Pepe and Balogun either side of Eddie and Ketia. Um A strong team, a surprisingly strong team, I thought, but Arteta clearly wants some silverware. So going all out to beat the League One opposition. A strong bench as well. Kieran Tierney, Thomas Partey, Gabriel, who came on. Saka, Lacazette, Ramsdale, Xhaka, who came on. Martinelli, who came on. And Patino, who came on. Uh, Patino, I think, is going to be a really special player. From what I've seen and from talking to Arsenal fans, 
there's a lot of people think this is the best kid they've ever produced. That this kid is more talented than even Emil Smith-Rowe and Bakayo Saka. Now, that remains to be seen, but they're really, really excited about him. And they believe he will be a first-team player within the next 12 months. So, good to see him getting his debut. Great for him to score as well. What a dream for the young lad. But great performance for Arsenal. Great result through to the next round. Not too much energy expent on it. I have to say, credit to Sunderland for getting this far in the competition. They were completely overmatched. They never really had a chance. That Arsenal team that played was a lot stronger than, than what I was expecting from Arteta. And probably stronger than Sunderland expected as well. But he took no risks at all last night. We have three games tonight. I thought, for some reason, I thought Brentford-Chelsea was last night. It wasn't. It's tonight. Um, but we can run through the latest news on the BBC before we get to those games. Um, so the the start of, obviously, Nkedia claims a hat-trick. There's a little bit about Patino. Uh, scores 11 minutes into his first-team debut. It's, it is. It's the dream start to his career. The absolute dream start to his career. Much of their early coverage today was about the game last night. Um, the back page of the Express says lockout would be a disaster. Millwall's, Millwall's chief warns of financial Armageddon. Yeah, I mean, look, Premier League clubs will survive another lockout from fans. It, football won't be fun, but the the clubs would survive. I don't know that the EFL clubs would. I really don't. They rely so much on gate receipts that because they don't make the big TV money in the Championship League 1 and League 2. Another lockout of fans could really see a handful of clubs go to the wall and disappear. There's already a couple desperately struggling after the last time, still trying to work their way through the mud. So, I don't know. I I do think if they're going to lock fans out, they might have to just postpone the Championship, League One and League Two. They don't necessarily need those to finish at the same time as the Premier League this season. Although, obviously, in the Championship, there's going to be three teams that come up into the Premier League. You don't want them finishing their Championship season in late June and then having to turn around and start their Premier League season in early August. That wouldn't be necessarily all that fair on them. Thomas Tuchel has said, don't needle our stars. Let's not start a hunt for non-vactors. Does a choice leave it there? Meh. I, I kind of fall into the camp. If you're a professional athlete, you have a responsibility to be fit and available and to take the best care of yourself possible. And the best care of yourself involves taking your vaccine. Um, Mikel Arteta said Nketiah is a player. Is it? So I heard the commentator last night call him Nketia, but I've heard others call him Nketia. So I'm just going to go with Nketia for now. If I'm wrong, correct me. Um, he says that Arteta says they want to keep him. We're trying really hard. His contract has an expiry date, and you can't control that. His genuine intention is that he wants to play football, and that's what we are 
that's what's driving whatever decision he's going to make. But obviously, he's a player we want to keep. I think they should try and keep him. Now, I said yesterday, look, sell him in January. But if there's a chance he'll stay, try and get him to sign a contract. If he won't sign a contract, sell him in January. The kid that played left wing last night, Balogun, he's the next in the line of, of strikers coming through that Arsenal Academy. He did sign a contract extension, turned down a lot of moves to do so. There's a couple more coming after them as well who are meant to be exceptional. Uh, Tuchel says Chelsea have suffered badly with regards to COVID. Well, that's probably because you're not pushing your players to get vaccinated, son. Uh, Antonio Conte has hit out at UEFA over Tottenham's European exile. He says they are uh, considering legal action against UEFA's decision to award Ran a 3-0 win. There's no option here. The game had to be played by, by December 31st. When were Spurs going to have time to play that game? Like, Conte has to realise that the schedule can't just change for his team. If you can't fulfil your fixtures, that's just tough luck. They have the League Cup tonight. They have Crystal Palace on the 26th. Then they have Southampton on the 28th. Then Watford on the 1st. When was the game going to be played? And why would Ren agree to play it in the new year just to suit you? When the rules clearly state it has to be finished by December 31st. Jordan Henderson has spoken out about the intensity of the Christmas period. Uh, he says, I don't think people appreciate how intense it is. He says that he is concerned that nobody really takes player welfare seriously. And you can kind of see his point. I don't think people can appreciate how intense it is until you actually see it firsthand. I do think he has a point. There's a reason other clubs or other countries rather take a winter break and don't ask players to go through this. But then at the same time, it is what they've always done. Henderson's been doing it since he was 18, 19. So he, at the end of the day, he probably should be used to it at this point. Um, I think decisions get made. Of course, we, we want to play as footballers. We want to get out there and play. But I'm worried about player welfare, and I don't think anybody does take that seriously enough, especially in this period when COVID is here. We will try and have conversations in the background and try to have some sort of influence going forward. But at the, at the moment, I don't feel the players get the respect they deserve in terms of having someone available so, sorry, in terms of having somebody being able to speak for them independently and have the power to say, actually, that isn't right for player welfare. Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's two sides to the argument, and I, I can totally see both of them. You know, I can see the traditionalist approach, and I can see what Henderson's saying, and there is definitely legitimacy to what he's saying. But COVID is... COVID is just such a strange thing. And this is the strangest time any of us will ever live through. Like, think of the major events in your life, and they pale in comparison to this, unless you've gone and fought a war. In that case, yeah, you've been through stranger. 
and it's probably lasted, you know, the war in Iraq was what, 18 years or something like that, 15 years, the war in Afghanistan was the better part of 20. But still, this is completely just out of what we're used to. It's been, well, it was 100 years or something since the Spanish flu. And we have to live through this. It's as simple as that. We just have to get it through it as best we can. And if that means being considerate and taking a vaccine and staying indoors and not seeing families, it's tough. It is tough. And I, I understand that a lot of people lost loved ones without getting to see them, without getting to go to the funeral. I lost my grandmother to COVID. I didn't get to go to the funeral. I, I didn't get to see her before she died. Um, I had to watch the funeral of a woman who, you know, basically raised me uh, with on an internet stream. You know? My sister was able to go to the funeral, but not into the funeral. Had to sit in the car and watch it. Because she's lucky enough that she lives in the same town. I don't. I lived outside the travel zone, so I couldn't travel in. I understand how hard it is. But sometimes we do just have to grit our teeth and get on with it. Now, it doesn't help when we see our leaders, elected officials, people in positions of power, decision makers, flouting the rules, doing what they want to do. Of course, that doesn't help. Makes us all angry. I don't even live in the UK. And I'm furious at what I've seen from Boris Johnson and the Tories. You know, and, and the nonsensical lies about it as well. Oh, that was a drink after meetings. Uh, that, that's, so, that's a social event then. When you're having a drink with friends, regardless of whether it's a night out or, you know, after a day's work, that becomes a social event. Because otherwise you're drinking on the job. Is that what you're telling us, Dominic Rabb? You were drinking on your job? Because that's a fireable offence. I understand why people are angry. We have incredibly incompetent leadership here as well. But there's not a whole bunch we can do about it right now. It's the best thing we can all do is get our heads down and get on with it. And unfortunately for the players, yeah, I know it sucks. The best, But the best thing you can do is get your head down and get on with it. Just gr grunt and grit your way through the season and hope for the best. Crazy story coming from Syria. Salernitana, who are bottom of Syria, face been thrown out of the of the tour of the league if they don't find a new owner by new year's day they've been given to january 1st to find a new owner because their owner is also the president of lazio so that conflict has to be resolved he could he could either step down as president of lazio or he can sell his ownership of Salonatana. Now, this should have been foreseen. It's not like he's newly appointed as president of Lazio. It's not like he newly bought this club. But um, 
surely he could transfer it to a friend or somebody or a family member, and that would be fine. There has to be a simple way to work around it. As as it is, they're bottom of the table. Um, eight points from 18 games. They look very likely to go down anyway. God, the bottom of Syria is a tragic mess. The bottom five teams, none of them have won a game in their last five. Poor old Genoa. Break my heart every year. Cagliari having a shocker. Big gaps opening up above them. Genoa did hold Atalanta last night, though, so a bit of pride restored in that one. Anyway, I've gone off topic. Um, AC Milan have uh, unveiled a new stadium design, and it is spectacular looking. Now, it's to be called the Cathedral, which I really think they should just bring that one back in a little bit. But it will be a state-of-the-art structure for innovation and eco-sustainability. Completely zero impact thanks to the best materials and the latest water and energy-saving technologies used and the reduction of noise admission, uh, noise emissions. It, it does look spectacular. Now, the design people pointed out yesterday when, when this was released doesn't show any train stations. Rome has an underground, so you'd imagine... They will build an underground station close to the stadium. Uh, there's no car parks. And the reason for that is they don't want cars in the area. So I think what we'll either see is car parks built in different parts of the city and a park and ride system, either with buses, uh, potentially electric buses, or with um, maybe underground stations built there and, and and tunnels run in to the stadium but yeah it, it does appear like they are pushing ahead with this plan they want to have the proposal in place by the end of next year uh populace who designed wembley uh, the emirates and the tottenham hotspur stadium are uh, one of the design teams who are competing to um Oh, no, they have been chosen. Excuse me. Sorry, they have been chosen to lead the project. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I am. I'm looking forward to Milan getting a new stadium. Uh, Barca and Tarajir withdraw a 10-man Sevilla. A beautiful moment when Jules Kunde had just had enough and lobbed the ball off Jordi Alba's head. Alba hit the ground like he'd been shot, which was, you know, kind of funny. Uh, Stephen Gerrard has said, we've had, we have mixed news. We've had a couple of situations this morning with the testing, but we also get a couple of players back. If the game was now, we would have enough players to carry the fixture out. It's changing every hour. It's very unpredictable. We're testing every day. I don't really know what the position we're going to, what position we're going to be in. At the moment, we've got enough and I expect the game to go ahead. That's their game against Chelsea at the weekend. Um, he said he have, might have to call up some fringe players and dealing with player welfare is a challenge right now. No one wants to get this virus. Everyone wants to protect their family. And he said he couldn't be more proud of his players and their commitment to working through the pandemic. Um, finally, then, the last page of this. Do-do-do. 
Uh, Mikel Arteta speaking about Arsenal's upcoming game with Norwich says they deserved much from many, many, much more from many, many games. They deserve better results. We expect a tough match, talking up the bottom side, trying to make out that it's a real victory. Uh, Arteta loves to play the bottom six. Loves it. This will be seven games against the bottom six. He's won six of them so far, and this will continue to fool people into thinking he is a real manager. Uh, he says, football behind closed doors, not the same. We can agree on that. Uh, he says, we have to listen to the players. Says, uh, Arteta and Gerard were both asked about Henderson's comments. I think Arteta and Gerard, who played so recently, can fully get on board with uh, player welfare. Uh, Brentford boss Thomas Frank says he has no COVID cases in his squad after the club's last two matches were called off because of the virus. So that means that Ivan Tony is back ahead of the game tonight, which is a big, big boost for them. Uh, well, uh, Leicester may be without five centre-backs for their game tonight. Uh, Evans, Sionchu, Vestergaard, Fafana and Benke, if it's all look likely to miss out. Uh, Real Madrid are monitoring Joe Gomez. Okay. Um, Lewis Baker, who was due to finish against, feature against Brentford, has tested positive for COVID. That poor kid, he has basically waited and waited and waited for any sort of sniff of an opportunity. He joined Chelsea from Luton when he was 10. He has had eight loan spells. Sheffield Wednesday, MK Dons, Vietas Arnhem, sorry, two seasons of Vietas Arnhem, Middlesbrough, Leeds, Reading, Fortuna Dusseldorf, and Trabzonspor last year. I can't believe Lewis Baker is still a Chelsea player. Like, when he was young, he was really, really highly rated. He was a regular for in the England setup underage. He was a very good player at under 21 level. And he has played. One game for Chelsea in his career. He played an FA Cup match in the 13-14 season. An FA Cup match. And other than that, he has never played for Chelsea. He's either been out on loan. This season, he's played one game for the under-23s. 183 games in his career. He's 26, and that's all he's managed because of Chelsea's love. Excuse me, Chelsea's love of getting young players and just basically spoiling their careers. Uh, his contract is up next summer. He definitely needs to leave. He should force his way out the door. Oh, he's actually played three times this year for the under-23s. That's my mistake. Three appearances. Um, let me just check. Did he start that game in 13-14? Did he come off the bench in 13-14? What did he do? Uh, he played three minutes. Three minutes. <laughs> Jesus. So that season, he was on the bench for the senior team once. That was the game against Liverpool at the end of the season when Mourinho rested half the team and Brendan Rodgers was too egotistical to uh, to take the draw. He came off the bench for three minutes 
in a third round tie, away to Derby, a 2-0 win for Chelsea on the day. And that's it. That is the extent of his Chelsea career. He broke through in 13-14, folks. That is ridiculous. Let the boy leave and go and play football somewhere. That's really harsh that he's had the the positive COVID test and he's going to miss out. Uh, Thomas Tuchel says he must start from scratch in picking his team to face Brentford as knowing who will test positive each day is a lottery. Yeah, it seems that way for you at the minute, bud. Um, Antonio Conte has clearly been sniffing glue or on the Christmas brandy early. He says Eric Dyer can become one of the best in the world in his position. Um, now, unless his position is in the stands or something, I, I really don't know. Um, David Moyes says he'd love to be a trophy winner with West Ham. Any sort of trophy, he said. I would be great. Moyes deserves a trophy. If ever there was a manager who deserves one, it is him. And look, he's got a couple of opportunities this year. West Ham going well in Europe. Still in this competition. If you get through this round, who knows what happens. Um, they've had a good run thus far. So, you know, it is possible. Could have a run in the in the FA Cup as well. So, look, fingers crossed. I, I, I like Moyes. I, I would like to see him uh, do well. Uh, Ralph Ranick has made another addition to his backroom staff. Ewan Sharp has been appointed as assistant coach and analyst. Uh, the Scott was working alongside Ranick at Locomotive Moscow in that failed experiment that was going on there. Uh, and he joins along with Chris Armas, who's come in having been uh, New York Red Bulls and TFC manager and not done too well in either of those jobs. Uh, Sharp came into the professional game through the U.S. college system, spending two years as director of performance at Northwestern University. Uh, Northwestern not really known for its football team, great American football team. Um, Pat Fitzgerald, is that his name? Is the head coach. Is it Pat Fitzgerald? Yeah, it is Pat Fitzgerald. He's the head coach. He's, he's a great, great coach. Um, but yeah, it's a journalism school. It's a very, well, it's not just a journalism school, but their journalism school is one of the best in the world. Um, it's a very, very highly thought of academic institute, not necessarily a sporting institute. And that is basically it. Alan Shearer has said Manchester City will be top at Christmas after winning eight straight games. But I don't think any team will take control of the Premier League title race for a long time yet. At the moment, it's City's turn to make everyone say wow at the way they're playing. Some of the football is amazing and they're strolling through many of their matches. They currently look like the team to stop. But I've thought the same about Liverpool and Chelsea at different times this season. And I'm sure we will soon be talking again about how strong those two look. What I am expecting over the next 20 games is exactly the same as what we've seen so far. I'm convinced things will keep on changing with the leading trio continue to flip-flop their positions at the top. He could well be right. He could well be right. But City have pulled six points clear of Chelsea. And it is difficult to see where City will drop six points. Um, Chelsea will need to go and beat them. When they face each other, I think it's that's in January, isn't it? Chelsea will need to win that game, or nine points will mean game over. 
nine points will mean game over. There will be no comeback on that one. Um, City are too strong and too well managed. Yeah, 15th January. That is now the biggest game of Chelsea's season. Um, right, other bits of news then. Um, so I've done the Jordan Henderson bit. Done the Tottenham considering the appeal thing. Uh, this is news I really don't want to cover, but look, I'm going to have to mention it. Benjamin Mendy has been charged with yet another rape. Um, French footballer Benjamin Mendy has been charged with a further rape. He's now accused of seven counts of rape and one count of sexual assault relating to five women. The 27-year-old was charged last week with the latest offence, but it is subject to reporting restrictions. These restrictions were lifted earlier as Mr. Mendy appeared at Chester Crown Court for a... Oh, sorry, it was subject. It is not anymore. Uh, for a hearing ahead of his trial. The latest charge relates to a new complainant and is alleged to have taken place in July of this year. The earlier charges are alleged to have happened between October 2020 and August 2021. The footballer who has been in custody since his arrest in August appeared alongside his co-defendant, Luis Saha Maturi. Not Luis Saha, the football player. Luis Saha Maturi uh, of Eccles in Greater Manchester. He is accused of six counts of rape and one count of sexual assault. Both men were remanded in custody, cust uh, in custody at Her Majesty's Prison Old Course in Liverpool after the 40-minute hearing. Their trial, which is scheduled for which was scheduled for January, was also put back to later in the year. Jesus. Look, I don't like to presume pres presume guilt on anybody, but I have a tough time believing that this pattern of behaviour just began in October 2020 and that there wasn't stuff before that. I really do. So I can't see, like, there's that many cases, that many charges. I think, I think Benjamin Mendy's football career is over. I think he is going to spend a substantial amount of his life in prison. Yeah. Right, I'm going to take a break. Um, when we come back, we'll preview tonight's three games. We'll do the gossip and we'll be done. See you in a minute. Right, welcome back. So one bit of news I missed before going to break. Scottish sport will be expect, effectively spectator-free over the Christmas period. Um, so that is Scotland and Wales putting strict limits on the number of people who can attend outdoor events. In Scotland, it will be 500 people. There's only one way this is going, I'm afraid, folks, and that is that football will be going behind closed doors again. I also missed out on Roman Abramovich winning an apology from a publisher over defamatory uh, allegations. HarperCollins pu published a book which included the claim that Abramovich bought the London club Chelsea on the orders of Russian President Vladimir Putin. 
On Wednesday, the company apologized to Mr. Bramovich and confirmed that it reached a settlement. It will amend the book and will make a charitable donation in lieu of damages. Um, UK journalist Catherine Belton wrote a book called Putin's People, uh, which included the allegation that Russian billionaire, oh, an allegation by another Russian billionaire, Sergei, Sergei Pugachev, that Abramovich bought the club based on Putin's orders. Go after Pugachev then. He's the one saying it. He's going after Harper Collins for a nice book, people. How much is Mr. Pugachev worth? I like checking Russian people's net worth. I don't know why. It just is what it is. Uh, net worth. Ooh. Oh, not good. Not good for him. Despite living in the UK, Pugachev was not free from legal battles as the Russian government used the London courts to pursue money it claimed was owed to them. Most of his £15 billion fortune was frozen in 2014 under a worldwide order issued by the Chancery Division of the High Court of Justice and upheld by the Court of Law. Despite a court order to stay in Britain, he fled the country and turned up in Nice, France. Imagine having 15 billion one day and then having it all taken away. Um, he has uh, registered a complaint with the Hague International Tribunal. Doesn't seem to be anything of late. Um... He was a banker. How does a banker squirrel away 15 billion quid? It's definitely something fishy going on there. Anyway, let's move on. I'm going to read about that one. This is over. Uh, yeah, League Cup tonight. That's what we were talking about. The League Cup fixtures will take place tonight. First up, Brentford versus Chelsea. So Brentford weren't in Europe this season, obviously. So they've played three games already. They beat Forest Green Rovers 3-1. Wissa and Bomo and Fours with the goals. Atchison with the goal for Forest Green. They beat Oldham 7-0. A hat-trick from Fours, two from Wissa, and a Diara own goal. Then they beat Stoke 2-1. Uh, Sergi Canos and Ivan Tony Romain Sayers with the goal for Stoke. So this will be the first time they have faced Premier League opposition in this season's competition. Chelsea have slogged their way through. Uh, a 1-1 draw with Aston Villa. Timo Werner with the goal. Cameron Archer with the Villa equaliser. And then a 4-3 win on penalty on penalties. Lukaku, Mount, Barkley and James scoring for Chelsea. Chilwell missing. El Ghazi, Konza and Buendia scoring for Villa. Young and Nakamba missing. Then they played Southampton. Again a 1-1 draw. Havertz put them one up. Adams equalised. Uh, Alonso, Hudson-Odoi, Chilwell and James scoring the penalties. Mason Mount missing. Armstrong, Long and Romeo scoring for Saints. Walcott and Will Smallbone all missing. So unable to win a game in normal time. We wait and see what Chelsea can do tonight. They have obviously... A number of players out. Brentford, no COVID, but they do have some injuries. So Brentford missing Ayer, Zanka, 
Rhea, Yenvir, and De Silva. Ayer and Rhea are the only ones who would be starters if everyone was fit. But it looks like Pinnock then back, Ivan Tony back. Those are big, big boosts. Uh, Chelsea, nine players out or a doubt. Loftus-Cheek is in pain. Uh, Chalaba is in pain. Andreas Christensen has a knock. Lukaku, Werner, Havertz, Hudson-Odoi all have COVID. Zayic has a calf injury. And Ben Chilwell has a torn ACL. So, look, who knows what kind of team Chelsea are going to put out. They'll still have a, it'll still be a good team. They've still got good players. But Tuchel has said that, obviously, with the Christmas period coming up, and this will be his first time having to negotiate his way through a British Christmas period or an English Christmas period in the Premier League, he's going to have to play a bunch of young players, which is no bad thing because Chelsea's academy is absolutely stopped with top young talent. And obviously they've got a lot of them out on loan, but they will still have a number of good young players available to them tonight. Uh, Brentford will be close enough to full strength. Barrea and an Ayer, they'll be close enough to full strength. Uh, Liverpool versus Leicester. The Reds beat Norwich 3-0. Uh, Minamino with two and Origi. Uh, they beat Preston 2-0. Minamino and Origi. And Leicester City beat Millwall 2-0. Lookman and Ianacho. A 2-2 draw with, with Brighton. Um, what have we got? Barnes and Lookman for Leicester. Webster and Wepu for Brighton. Madison, Barnes, Daka and Pereira all scored penalties for Leicester. Gross and McAllister scored theirs for Brighton. But Mope and Wepu missed. So this should be a good game. But Leicester... They are kind of ravaged at the moment with injuries and, and COVID. Uh, Fafana out, Evans out, Vestigard, Perez, Benkovic, all COVID cases. Uh, Sionchu, a, a major doubt. Luckman, Ianacho, Vonte, Daly, Campbell all have illnesses. Now, Leicester haven't, Leicester haven't said that those are definitely COVID illnesses, any of the six, but I assume they are, which is why they had games called off. Uh, Hamza Chowdhury and James Justin also both out. Liverpool's injury issues are clearing up a little bit. Um, Thiago has COVID. He will miss tonight, as will Van Dijk, uh, Fabinho and Curtis Jones. But they, especially Van Dijk, Fabinho and Jones, they will be available for Leeds, provided they test negative over the next two days. Thiago likely potentially back for the Leicester game two days later. Um, Harvey Elliott's the only real long-term injury. Jordan Henderson had a cold. He should be fine. Andy Robertson is suspended for tonight. Nat Phillips has a cracked cheekbone. He'll be out for a couple more weeks. And Adrian, who'd never play. But Liverpool are going to get a lot of these players back in the coming days. So come probably the 28th of December, you'll only really be looking at Elliott... Adrian and and Nat Phillips who'll be out and only Elliot is a is a loss there to Liverpool. So I'll be interested to see what kind of team Liverpool put out. It looks like Leicester may have no centre backs tonight, uh, which would be obviously a big big shame for them. Brendan Brendan will want to win the silverware, but um, 
it could find himself on the wrong end of a bit of a walloping if if Liverpool play a strong-ish team and he's got no centre-backs. Because, you know, even with his own centre-backs, his actual centre-backs, his team aren't good defensively. Uh, West Ham travel to Tottenham. That is their reward for having beaten both Manchester clubs. They beat United 1-0, Lanzini with the only goal. Uh, they drew 0-0 with City, but went to penalties. Noble, Bowen, Dawson, Cresswell and Benrama scored. Foden missed. Canseo, Gabriel Jesus and Grealish scored. Uh, West Ham threw 5-3 on penalties. And City's reign over this competition, the stranglehold they had, having won it four times in a row, came to an end. Um, big, big victories for West Ham on their search for silverware. But a trip to Tottenham won't be all that easy. Spurs drew 2-2 with Wolves, Endombele and Kane with the goals. Then then Donker and Pedence clawed Wolves back into the game. Kane, Regulon and Hill scored for Spurs. Heusberg missed. Uh, Huang and Moutinho scored for Wolves. But then Neves, then Donker and Cody all missed. Uh, then they beat Burnley 1-0. Lucas Moura with the only goal of the game. Spurs obviously looking a lot better of late under Conte. They looked really good against Liverpool in spells. And I think they'll go into this game confident, especially at home. West Ham have hit sort of their first rough patch of the season. Uh, West Ham have no Zuma. That's a big blow, obviously. He's out for a while. Ogbonna's done for the season. Cresswell, still not back. Ben Johnson, he's not back. Vladimir Sufal, he's suspended. Uh, Ryan Fredericks is out with a groin injury. So, as things stand, they have no right-backs available unless Johnson recovers, but it looks unlikely that they'd risk him. No right-backs available. Their first-choice left-back is out. And both of their first-choice centre-backs are out. So not a good time for West Ham. They need the January market to open. Uh, Wool, uh, Spurs, rather, they've pretty much everything cleared up. Um, Cessnion has a muscle injury. He'll be back in a couple of weeks, but they have Regulon back. Romero's out for a little while. They're hoping about three weeks and he'll be back. Uh, Brian Hill and Dane Scarlett are the last two remaining COVID cases, but they should be back, if not tonight, certainly for the the Christmas Premier League schedule. So it, it has worked out well for Tottenham to have those few games cancelled. Obviously, they'll have a hectic schedule down the backside of the season, but it has worked out well for them. Um, I'm going to predict these games. I'm going to predict Brentford beat Chelsea 2-1. Liverpool beat Leicester on penalties. And Tottenham beat West Ham. I'd love to predict a West Ham win. Because I'd like as I said earlier, I'd like Moyes to win some silverware. But with all of those injuries in defence, I I think they could have some issues. I really do. I think they're gonna have a tough time in the Premier League over the next little while. Uh, let's finish up with the gossip and be done for the day. Liverpool are contenders for the signature of Erling Haaland. I greatly doubt it. Kingsley Coleman is 
a target for Manchester United, Barcelona and Real Madrid. Uh, he's uh, allegedly going through some contract negotiations at the minute. He wants to stay where he is, but he wants to be paid at the same kind of level as Gnabry and Sané, which is understandable. He is a really good player. Bayern are very, very lucky to have three great wingers. Um, means they can always have, you know, two great wingers on the pitch. Manchester United interim boss Ralph Raniak has spoken to Erling Haaland's father about the possibility of signing the forward next year. Like, what a load of nonsense. Uh, Anthony Martial wants to join Sevilla on loan. Fair. I think he'd do well there. I think he would do well there. I don't know that he fits in their system, though. I really don't know that he fits in their system. Well, Campos could move to the right. He could play off the left with N. Naziri through the middle. But I don't know that Lupetegui will put up with Martial standing about doing nothing for a while. Uh, Cesar Azpilicueta wants to stay at Chelsea despite Barcelona showing interest in signing him when his contract expires. Manchester United have contacted River Plate over a £17 million deal to sign Argentina forward Julian Alvarez, meant to be very, very talented. Uh, Tottenham and Roma are vying for the signature of Florian Grilich. Good player, not sure I'd vie for his signature, though. Manchester United are interested in signing Serbian midfielder Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. Um, I mean, I could kind of understand the appeal a couple of years ago, but when you've got Bruno in your team, I don't really think you can play Bruno and Sergei. Uh, as much as I love Sergei, I, I just don't see that one happening. Chelsea have had a seventy. Sorry, Chelsea had a seventy-two million pound bid for Marquinhos rejected in the summer. Marquinhos is set to sign a new contract to PSG until twenty six two thousand twenty six to two thousand twenty seven. That's a shame. It's a shame that he's wasting his career in France. He is, I believe, the second best centre back in the world. He's a sensational defender, but. He's, he's already been there eight years, going on nine years. I'd love to see him playing in a top division. But look, if he's if he's happy, he's making a ton of money, he gets to live in Paris. He is now club captain. Eh, why not? Um, Everton will make a, ter- a third attempt to sign Rangers in Scotland right back, Nathan Patterson. Right back is a massive position of need. That one makes sense. He's a very, very talented player. And obviously, with Michael Enko coming in at right back, or sorry, at left back, him at right back, Godfrey in the middle, you're one away from putting in place a long term defence that can grow together and develop. Uh, Newcastle are targeting six players in January. All right. Uh, the Magpies are front runners among clubs wanting to sign Joe Roden on loan, with Leeds and Watford also monitoring the 24 year old. I think I'd rather send them to Leeds than to Eddie Howe. Um, I, I don't know that Eddie Howe will do much for Joe Roden. Uh, Brighton are also interested in Roden, who wants more regular first-team football, which is understandable, given his age. Uh, Brentford, Everton, Newcastle and West Ham are all keen on 20-year-old attacking midfielder Brennan Johnson of Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest value him at £20 million. Wow. He's having a, a good season. 
And I do keep seeing, seeing his name pop up and be linked with different clubs, but 20 million seems a lot for someone having their first real season at the championship level. Now, he did really well on loan last year in League One with Lincoln. But still, that's a, that's a big step forward to go to 20 million for a guy after six months in the championship. Um, Aston Villa have received four offers for Wesley, who is on loan at Club Bruges. Who's making offers for Wesley? How's he doing this season, actually? I wonder can we find how Wesley is doing at Club Bruges this season. Uh, ooh, Vincent Company is disgusted by racial abuse he received from Club Bruges fans. That is not good at all. Um, let's see. Wesley, Wesley, Wesley. There we go. Uh, up until the 4th of December, he had played four games and scored no goals. So it doesn't appear like the loan is doing all, going all that well for Wesley. Uh, let's see. West Ham and Barcelona. <laughs> West Ham and Barcelona lead the race to sign Adnan Yanazai. Right. Brilliant. And that is it for today, folks. I can take no more. I will see you all tomorrow. Tomorrow is questions day. So do send in your questions either on the Anfield Index Discord or via Twitter. You can tweet me at EPL Index, or you can tweet Guy at Guy Drinkle, and uh, we will get to your questions tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.